Happy New Year, and welcome to When Songs Mean Business. I'm your host, Steph Belcher. There's no guest today. This is actually a recast of a workshop that I did in May of 2020 about goal setting. One of my students, Kaylee, requested that this episode be about setting goals for the new year, and I'm super excited to be able to share this class with you. I also want to remind you that I will be hosting a workshop January 10th through the 14th to level up your business. This free workshop is perfect for people who are tired of playing small, tired of accepting less than their worth people who are looking for tips on negotiating or setting new prices. Leveling up your business means that you're tired of playing the same game with the same small results, and you're ready for new challenges, new collaborations, and new resources. Leveling up means that you grow and you change and you stretch beyond the boundaries of what you previously thought was possible. You have a story that no one else can tell, and people need to hear that story. So let's work together to level up your business. January 10th through the 14th, free, one hour a day, Monday through Friday on Zoom. There's a sign-up sheet on my website and in the show notes. I hope that you enjoy this goal-setting workshop, and I hope that you move forward in 2022 from a place that is healthy and optimistic and ambitious, and I hope that you're ready to take on this new year with enthusiasm and energy. I hope you know that the universe has your back and everything is happening exactly as it's supposed to. So let's get started. started. Today we're going to talk about setting goals. And setting goals is probably something that you have been dealing with for probably your whole lives. But I'm going to come at it from two different ways, kind of a mindset way, and then also a practical business sense way. So I personally believe that setting goals is probably the most important part of the actual business plan. I didn't always know that I was going to be self-employed. It took me a really long time to come to grips with my entrepreneurial side. In the early days of my music career, I always wanted to run someone else's label. I wanted to be an employee, right? Because in the 90s and the early 2000s, labels ran everything. Live Nation didn't even exist yet. So I wanted to be part of something like Aware Records or, you know, one of those smaller indie labels that helped to launch artists. But I didn't necessarily want to own it because I didn't really think that I could. I didn't think I was capable of it. For most of my life, I had been told by teachers mostly that I lacked focus and drive. And a few of them suggested that I might have ADHD and some said I was lazy and they said I talked too much and I was disruptive. And I just came to believe that I generally wasn't good enough to run a business or be a business owner. So for that reason, like owning a business never really became a goal for me. And it turned out I just had a gluten thing and I was just poisoning myself every day. And once I stopped eating bread, then everything got a lot easier. But that's another story. Um, So later in 2009, that year that I was telling you guys about when I had six W-2s, the economy was garbage. I couldn't find a music job and I really had no choice but to freelance. If I wanted to work in music, the only way that I could do it was to just do it myself. So I started running my own thing and I called it consulting. I designed a logo. I named it after my dogs. I made a Facebook page and I didn't have a plan. 
I didn't have a goal. I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't even have a list of services that I could offer. It was literally just accepting whatever project got offered to me and I failed miserably. <laughs> um, the, pro the first project that I got offered, I was asked to coordinate and mail merchandise to customers and it was a disaster from the start. I couldn't handle the software that was involved. I didn't have a printer. I didn't have the right gear to get the job done. I failed to communicate with the owners. I failed to communicate with the customers. I mailed everything late. I had to pay for rush shipping out of my own pocket. The client was upset. It damaged my relationship. The customers were upset. It damaged their relationship with the client. And the whole thing was all because I had said yes to something that I was completely ill-equipped to actually do. And because I didn't go into the company or the project with a plan in mind or a destination or any kind of roadmap, I, I ended up going nowhere, literally nowhere. I just hurt a bunch of people basically. Um, but that experience kind of taught me, and this all happened very quickly, like within the span of like six weeks. So it kind of taught me that I liked working for myself and it planted that first kind of entrepreneurial seed. You know, I came from, I come from a very long line of entrepreneurs. Like most of the people in my family, grandparents, aunts and uncles, they all own their own businesses. So it had always kind of been like an idea, but it wasn't something I felt I was capable of. So I just went back to the tax office, but that seed was kind of growing roots deep, deep, deep inside me. So for the next five years, I got really into the tax thing and I got married and had a couple kids and entrepreneurialism like wasn't really on my mind. Right. So I was just happy to be employed at the CPA firm and to work for somebody else and not have to be the one that made all those decisions. Then in 2015, after I had my second daughter, my boss at the CPA firm, she suggested that we break off the marketing division of the company into its own separate company. She said, Hey, I want to start this marketing company. Will you run it for me and hire my son? And that sounded like a great idea to me at the time. I mean, it was a great idea, but I had a six month old baby at home. I could set my own schedule. I could work from home. I didn't have to go into the office. I could choose my own clients. I could set my own prices. And then I had her support as the owner. I was like a co-owner. So some of you are familiar with the work that I did there. The company was called Greenbell Marketing. And thank God that was exactly at the time when I discovered the traction book. So one of my friends, his name is George. He's a videographer. He suggested that, you know, as I was starting Greenbell Marketing, he suggested that I pick up this book. So I went into Greenbell with this entirely different entrepreneurial mindset than I had the first time around in 2009. I made a plan right from the beginning. I had goals. I had products and services that I offered. So um, shortly after starting it, after starting Green Bell, I was listening to a podcast called the Startup Podcast, and it's about Gimlet Media, which is now a um, big podcast company. And so in one of the very first episodes, the founder of Gimlet, his name is Alex Bloomberg, he asks for a meeting with the investor Chris Saka. And Chris sits down with him and listens to Alex's whole pitch. And then his very first, Chris's very first question to Alex was, what's your exit strategy? And Alex is like, uh, he like, it hadn't even occurred to him to think about an exit strategy, right? 
So Chris goes on to explain that in venture capitalism, investors are not interested in lifestyle companies. They're interested in investing in companies that can be sold products and companies that can be grown to 10 or a hundred times their original investment amount and sold to bigger companies. Lifestyle companies can only exist when the founder is involved. When the main face of a lifestyle company decides to retire or step down, they take the whole company with them. But investment vehicles like Uber and Facebook and Tinder and SongTrust and Spotify and Cobalt, those are all companies that can continue to exist after they're sold if the original founder or the CEO decides to step down. And that is one of the, like, the major differences between what musicians do and what other companies do and go into their business plans with. Lady Gaga cannot be sold as a person. If she stops participating in music, her brand is dead, or at least it's dead in the future, right? And that exact thing is the reason why having an exit strategy for your business is so incredibly important. It's uncommon for musicians to go into a business thinking about how they're going to get out of that business, because with music, it's not something that you're ever really going to get out of. It's like, you're probably going to be playing guitar on your deathbed, you know, realistically, like you can't just turn off being a musician because you decide to retire the business. So the important question becomes, does this business exist without me? Does this business have an exit strategy if I opt out? Is this something that I can sell to somebody else to run? Or if I decide to fold it, is it over? Setting this kind of exit strategy is something, it, it gives you a destination on your roadmap. Because if your destination is like retirement, then at least you know you're in it for the long haul and you know that you have good 50 or 30 or 25 years left in your plan and it gives you something to aim for and to shoot for further down the line you know like if we imagine that we're actually traveling somewhere and you think you know this is a lifestyle company for me i'm not going to sell this this is something i'm going to do for the rest of my life then you can have little pins along the way to check in with yourself and make sure that you're still on track to getting where you want to go, right? It can give you little parameters for what you're going to do along the way. And then if it is something that you want to sell, if your goal is to create a big catalog of songs and sell all of them, then that gives you a destination and a roadmap too, right? So on a mindset level, how you're going to get out of this thing that you're starting is a very important thing to think about right at the beginning. On a practical business level, it's essential because it helps you set the goals along the way. Um, my friend Ari Herstan wrote this, wrote a book. It's an incredible book for independent musicians. But when he talks about goals in his book, he has you uh, set a 25-year goal. And he says music is a marathon, not a sprint. So I think it's actually a 26 year goal because of the marathon thing, but he wants you to think about like, you are going to do this for the next 26 years, most likely. So what is, what does your life look like 26 years from now? Uh, I really like that idea 
because of the lifestyle versus investment company idea. You know, if this is an investment opportunity for you, if you're starting a record label or a publishing company or something that you might realistically sell to somebody, then you probably should think about an exit strategy within 10 years, right? Like who are you going to sell it to? How much do you want to sell it for? Stuff like that. But in the case of most musicians, you're not going to be able to sell yourselves. You're going to just keep making music however you are. Now, because of this, I like to use kind of a blended approach to creating goals for a business plan because I found that most like business goal setting strategies tend to be a little bit too strict for musicians and artists. So I'm going to take a little bit of the traction method for goal setting and I'm going to combine it with life coach Rachel Hollis. With regard to goal setting, she has one mantra that I had never considered before she wrote it. But since I started reading her work, I have adopted it and I've really come to believe in it. And it is this, you can only focus on one goal at a time. I'm going to say that again. You can only focus on one goal at a time. I think that's a very polarizing mantra. I think a lot of people have sort of uh, instinctively recoil against that because we're all so interesting and energetic and we don't want to limit ourselves to only having one thing going on at a time. So a lot of times people are like, oh no, I have, I can't focus on one thing. I have so many things going on. I have 17 tabs open right now. I have four different albums in, in the works and I'm working on six different projects and I volunteer at all these different places. And it's like, are any of them really working for you? Are any of them really, truly successful? Because when you're splitting your attention and dividing it between a hundred different things and you're trying to release the album and you're trying to make the merch and you're working full time and you're getting a certification and you're volunteering and you're training for a half marathon. The fact is that probably very few of them are actually getting done to the best of your own abilities and everybody's different. Maybe you're crushing it in 17 different areas. If you are, please write a book because it's amazing. And the analogy for that, that I like to think of is that dropping a handful of pebbles in a pond can create small ripples, but dropping a huge boulder in that pond can create giant waves. It can really displace a lot of water and it can get you closer to where you actually want to be. So rather than me sitting here and telling you that you can't do all the things that you want to do, because that's not what I'm here to do. I am going to help you prioritize your list and choose one thing to focus on at a time based on your dreams, your skills, and your values. That's why we started with the values and then we wrote down our skills, right? Because those are like the two things, like your goals are going to change. Your values and your skills, they can change a little bit, but they're much more deeply ingrained. Your goals are going to continue to change as you change. If you don't own a house right now and you want one, maybe one of your goals is going to be buying a house. But then once you buy that house, 
that's not a goal for you anymore. Then you have different goals like building a deck and all that other stuff that comes with home ownership. <laughs> so this process starts with your dreams and that's going to be different for everybody. So I'm going to ask you guys to indulge me in my hippie meditation visualization exercise for a minute. So if you can, if you're in a place where you can, I want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> okay. I want you to take three big deep breaths. I want you to breathe in for a count of four and out for a count of five. And do this two more times. One more. Okay, so now you should feel your shoulders relaxing and everything's getting a little bit softer. And now keep your eyes closed. I want you to start at the top of your head and scan down through your body, like one of those old school scanners. I want you to feel each area and really tap into it. I want you to feel your head and your eyes and your throat and your shoulders. I want you to feel your heart beating. Feel the breath coming into your diaphragm and your belly. Feel your back against the seat. Like really root yourself to where you are. Feel your feet on the floor or the couch. Take another deep breath. Now I want you to ask yourself a question in the second person. So this, say the word you, okay? Which one dream makes you the most excited? Which one dream makes you the most excited? So think about all the things that you have going on in your life and think about the one dream that makes you feel the most fired up and real inside. Take another deep breath. Don't let that excitement get you all riled up. Feel yourself in the chair. If only one dream was going to be successful, which one would it be? And now hold on to this vision for a minute and imagine that it's 10 years from now. It's May 20th, 2030. Pandemic is long over. Venues opened up a long time ago. The world is different. I want you to picture the best version of yourself. A decade's gone by. You're living the best possible ideal for your life. And what I really want you to dream big here. There are no restrictions. Okay. Another deep breath. What is the best version of yourself doing? How do they spend their day? Are they happy? Who's around them? What is the best of the best here? Is it fame, being a household name? How big do you really want this dream to be? And what is the highest value that you can place on yourself? And now I want you to go ahead and open your eyes. Take one more deep breath. And in the comments or on a piece of paper, if you want to keep it private, 
I want you to write down some of the most impactful things that you just saw in your own head. And I'm going to give you a minute, but let some of it come out. Don't keep it inside. Writing it down makes it real. I want you to write down the parts that you really want to remember and hold on to. Because here's the thing. You can become this person that you envisioned. You're probably already halfway there. And now we just need to turn these big dreams into focused and prioritized goals. So take a quick second and write for me for like two minutes, okay? All right, so hopefully you found that useful because having these dreams and really touching base with who you want to become is the foundation of setting these goals. If you are setting business goals based on what other people want for you, it's going to be really, really, really hard for you to get there. You need that internal motivation in order to like get yourself out of bed in the morning and meet the sales goals and you know do all these things that you have to do in business in, in order to get ahead. So um, let's talk about how to turn these dreams and visions into like specific, very specific goals, right? So when you're setting goals in business, you want them to be SMART goals. And if you haven't heard of SMART goals, it's an acronym. It stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. And by setting and achieving these goals, you are creating a ripple effect in your life. When you achieve that first goal, you get this wave of endorphins and a sense of achievement and you become addicted to it. And then you set another goal that's actually achievable and then another one and then another one. So the next step in this process is for us to make a list of our 10 dreams, right? So like whatever you guys just wrote down, we're going to make a list of 10 actually achievable dreams. These are like the big pictures. These are the kind of things where if we were to like go get magazines and make a vision board out of the things that we just pictured, this is the one that has the actual images on it. So I want to read to you guys what my 10 dreams are. I've been making my list of 10 dreams for about a year and I have so far achieved three of them. So I want to read them to you. Number one is I am completely debt free. As we've been talking about in this class, that's like a huge one for me. It's something I've really been focusing on. My home life is stable and my children are well adjusted. I have a million dollars in the bank. I can be my true self around my friends and my family. I have published a book. I travel widely and often. I speak at music business conferences. I help musicians and artists start and launch their businesses. I am completely sober and I dance every day. And so you might have noticed that I wrote those in like present or past tense. And the reason for that is because the key is to write them as if they have already happened. 
I'm going to have a million dollars in the bank leaves tons of room for doubt. Whenever we say we're going to do something, it's like an automatic maybe. Uh, like when I ask my eight-year-old to unload the dishwasher and she tells me that she's going to. I'm like, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> okay, when? You know, And that's a gut reaction, even internally for ourselves. When we say we're going to do something, it means that we might not actually do it. It's soft, right? But if I write, I have a million dollars in the bank, I don't have a million dollars in the bank yet, but it makes it feel so much more real to me. I am the Lollapalooza headliner. I write songs with Lady Gaga. I sold my publishing company to Warner Brothers for $12 million. I started a podcast. You see the difference there of like how it actually feels when you start to say it as if it's already happened? It makes it so much more real and specific. And then the next step, after we choose these 10 dreams that we really truly want for ourselves, these 10 dreams that are gonna get us closer to the vision for the person that we want to become is to choose one dream, turn it into a goal and focus on it until it's done. So I mentioned my 10 dreams, right? So I'm completely debt free. I'm not, I'm getting there a little bit closer every day, but I'm not really focusing on it all that hard right now. I'm paying more than the minimums on most stuff, but it's not the biggest thing I'm focusing on. I'm not putting a million dollars in the bank yet. I haven't published a book. I can't travel anywhere. So the one, the very first one that I chose to focus on was becoming completely sober. And that one was really important for me because it was holding me back from all the other things, dealing with hangovers and you just that the entire numbing effect was just not working for me anymore. And I worked on that with a therapist and my family and very strategic strategies. It took me like six months, but now it's done. And I was able to write on that list done and I checked it off and it feels so good to have achieved that goal. Right? So one of my other ones is I dance every day. And in order to dance every day, you basically have to schedule time to dance every day, right? You have to turn music on, you have to put the right clothes on, you have to have the time. So that was something that I had to work into a routine. And so now that those two things are done, they're like habits. They're not really goals anymore. Now it's just a matter of making sure that I maintain that lifestyle and it's become a lifestyle now. So the one that I'm focusing on right now is I help musicians and artists start and launch their businesses. And that's why I'm doing this class is because that's the next dream that I wrote here that I want to focus on. And I know that I have to do that before I can write a book about it, before I can speak at music business conferences about it. And traveling widely requires money and people paying me to travel, like part of traveling. When I pictured myself 10 years down the road, like the best version of myself, taking my kids to Hawaii, we're going to Iceland, we're hiking fjords in Norway, you know, and it's like, I want to do that with my family so badly. So what if I get a music business conference in Norway to hire me and my airfare is 
taken care of and I'm getting paid to be there. And then I get to take my kids with me and we extend the trip for a week and it becomes this whole thing, right? It becomes this whole lifestyle where I'm just building upon my skills and my dreams. So the first thing that I have to focus on is helping musicians start and launch their business because that's really like the foundation of everything that I'm doing here. So what does this mean for you guys, right? We really want it to be specific and measurable. Those are like the two that I believe are the most important ones to latch onto. The goal that I'm focusing on right now is to help musicians launch their businesses. And I put a number on that. I want to help 50,000 people in 10 years. So you guys are included in that. That sounds like a lot, right? Like a whole lot. But the way that it scales out is it's about 100 this year and then 500 next year once I'm able to automate it. And then maybe I can get 1,000 people the next year and then maybe 2,000 the next year. And then after that, I really need it to be like 7,500 people a year for the next six years. So at that point, that's when it's really rolling. And that's when I'm starting to feel comfortable with the process and the system. And I've got partners involved with me who are helping. Like one of my exit strategies is to license this course, this exact course that we're going through right now to bigger education companies and artist development companies. So I want to train more people to teach it the way that I'm teaching it and license them. And then they can go to an artist development firm in a different state or a different country, teach this program as I've written it. And those numbers will start to feed into my eventual goal of 50,000 people, right? And then everything will lead to writing a book and speaking at conferences and getting paid to travel and paying off my debt and putting the rest of my money in savings. And 10 years from now, when I talk to you guys again, I'm going to be like, guess what? I got a million bucks. Can you believe it? And if I hadn't decided that now, you know, sitting here in my unfurnished bedroom with my mortgage and daycare of $1,100 a month and, you know, all this other crazy stuff that I'm living in right now, if I hadn't decided that this is how I was going to do it, then it, I definitely wouldn't be getting there. There's no way I would get there. So um, let me, let me give you some specific examples for what this looks like for musicians, right? Um, When I, when I work on this particular strategy, with artists. Sometimes it can be really hard for them to put numbers on it. So some of the more specific numbers that I like to help people, you know, the the measurable, specific measurable part of it is albums released, songs written and sold or licensed to other artists, gigs played, live streams offered, Patreon patrons added, community size, you know, engaged community. And I mean, not just like Facebook likes, but people who are really being involved in your projects, number of albums produced, number of clients worked with, consulted, or, you know, however you want to measure the people that you're working with. Students taught. If you're a teacher, you can have like mine. I have a number of students taught. And that came from just picking you know, in order for me to have a million dollars 
at the price point that I want, I needed to have like 50,000 students. So because I've always been involved with independent music and emerging artists, I realized I was going to have to go for scale. And so like, you know, when we're done with this course, it's going to cost $250. So 250 times 50,000 is $12,500,000. If I teach this course to 50,000 students, 10 years from now, I'll have $12 million. And that's like, like that almost sounds too good to be true, right? But in order for me to get, to put a million dollars in a bank, I need to make 12. A lot of that's going to go to expenses and taxes and contractors and employees hired. And those are other things. Those are other goals that you guys can set for yourselves now. Hire a manager, hire a publicist, find an agent, find an assistant producer or offload, you know, if you're a producer and you're doing the engineering too, offload the engineering to somebody. That might be something that you want to do. You know, there's so many different ways that we can think about how to set these goals, but they're based upon your dreams, which are based upon how you see yourself in 10 years from now. And they are specific and they are measurable. Rachel Hollis talks for a while in her book about getting healthy and weight loss and training for a half marathon. She's a runner and she talks about how when you're training for a half marathon, it's like the only thing that you can think about. And if any of you have done it, you will probably be able to relate, but you're running for like 10 to 15 hours a week and it's so intensive and your body feels so worn out that, or for a full marathon is even more. And if you try to like start a business at the same time as you're training for a half marathon, it's going to feel really, really hard. And so that's kind of the analogy I want you guys to think about when you are letting yourselves divide your attention between multiple different projects that you're working on is it's like, would I have time to train for a half marathon and do this project at the same time? And if the answer is no, then just focus all of your attention on the one thing that you want to get done. And then when it's done, it's done and it's just done and it's out of the way and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And you have this amazing sense of achievement and maybe you have a little bit of extra money and you have new fans and it's done, right? So, um, yeah, that's like the biggest thing I want you to take away from this lesson is focus on one thing at a time, make it super specific, give yourself little baby steps to get there. You know, that's like when you're training for a half marathon, you don't go out and run 13 miles. You run one. And then the next day you run 1.5. And then the next day you run two. And you build up to the point where you can actually go and crush 11 miles. And when you get to 11 miles, five feels easy. And that's where I want you guys to get with your businesses. When you're putting an album out or starting a company where you're recruiting clients, I want you to get to the point where that thing that you thought was hard at the beginning is now easy because you built it up with baby steps and you practiced and kept yourself accountable and you were able to achieve the goal through hard work and dedication. So Amy asked, are my life goals were life and business goals? 
And should we make our list look the same or just stick with career goals? I personally think that it is really hard to separate the two, especially in music. I feel like it's nearly impossible. So what I really based it on is who I want to be 10 years from now. And I pictured that person. And that is a whole person, right? That is the one that like my 10 year from now person is a mom and a career oriented, strong, powerful businesswoman and a teacher, you know, and like, so there's all these different facets of myself as a person and I can't separate out the home person and the family person from the business person and the career person. So I include them all to be the same. From that, there are, there were elements of my personal life and my specific habits and tendencies that were holding me back from being able to achieve my other goals. I was getting sick if I had even one drink, one sip of wine. I was getting like violently ill. And so I had to completely eliminate alcohol from my life in order for me to be a functional mom and in order for me to be a good business person, right? And so that sobriety became the most important one that I needed to focus on in order for the other ones to fall in line and to actually work. And I think a lot of people would agree on elements of health. Like, you know, when you take care of yourself and when you feel good, you can get more done and you're more accomplished and you're more motivated. So um, I would say don't separate them. Picture your best life and have it be broad. Have it include your family and your friends and your work and your fun time, you know, like the other things that you do besides music that are important to you and have them all kind of play into each other because they, they do. You're a whole person. You're not just, you're not just a business person or a family person. And then Kylie asked, should our list of goals include ones that we've already started working towards? Yes, 100%. And then I want you to see if those are the ones that you should be focusing on right now, or if focusing on them right now is distracting you from things that need to come first for a different reason. You might even flip-flop between them fairly regularly, but yes, absolutely include the ones that you've already started working toward and then start to deduct like which ones should I focus on right now. So there's going to be a bunch of different ways to do it. And it's going to be different for each one, but always hold on to those 10 dreams and hold on to that vision of who you want to be 10 years from now and how you're going to exit the business that you're starting. How does that fit into the 10 dreams? Because if, if one of your 10 dreams is to sell your company for $10 million, then you're, you have a bunch of little goals inside of that, right? So anyway, I hope that answers your question. If anybody else has any more questions, I'm happy to answer them. It's three o'clock, so you're all free to go. But I'm here and happy to help. Hit me up if you have any questions. Thank you all so much. I'll see ya.
as always, please let me know if you have any questions about any of the material that was presented in this workshop or any of the podcasts that I post. And thank you so much for your support. You guys are the best. I get all your messages and I just love hearing from you. So thank you and have a wonderful new year. Take care of yourselves out there. Be safe and let me know if you have any questions. All right. Thanks so much. When Songs Mean Business is a production of Steph Belcher Business Management, LLC. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Steph Belcher. For more information on consulting services or any of our programs, please check out stephbelcher.com. Follow us on Instagram at When Songs Mean Business and join our Facebook group, When Songs Mean Business. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.